0: As you look at that title, it may bring questions to your mind. This is a not about two desperate women needing to get married. So you understand that? So that's not what this is about. This is actually a story of two Old Testament stories um, that I'm going to share with you this morning. One uh, comes about two desperate women. One comes from the prophet Elijah. And the other one comes from the prophet Elisha. And you'll find them in the, other. we're going to begin with the prophet Elisha first. So would you turn to 2 Kings chapter 4 if you have that in your Bible? If you have one of the Pew Bibles, one of the newer ones, it's on page 254. I'd like for us to look for a moment at these two stories. 2 Kings chapter 4 about two desperate women as they were living their lives in Israel. And so here comes a story from Elisha first, Second Kings chapter 4. And the wife, beginning with verse 1, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. He was one of the men who was involved with the religious services of the, of the synagogues. He cried out, the wife did, cried out to the Elijah. And he said to him, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he has revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. And so that's the way you paid your, if you couldn't pay it, then you were bound to give over yourself into slavery and he was like, I'll take your two boys. They'll come and they'll have to work off this problem. They could work off their debt for me. That's how things were done in the society. You can see that this woman was desperate. She was desperate. So how did Elisha respond? He came back and said, Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? She said. And she answered and said, well, your servant has nothing there at all except a small jar of olive oil. Did I mention to you that she was desperate? If you're down to just a little bit of oil in your house and that is it, you're in trouble. Now, we generally like to say, well, we look on our shelves and see if we have any food there, and we generally keep our stuff pretty well stocked, don't we? I can go to my uh, cabinet in my house, and I open it up, and I look and say, well, there's food in there. Uh, And if you need a little oil, i got plenty different bottles of oil in there to make it happen. And besides, I am a member of Costco, (laughs) and I can go, well, not everybody's a member. You have to apply for membership, and you have to be accepted in there, so it's kind of a, you know, an uppity-uppity thing if you can be a member of Costco. And so Elisha said to her, he came back and said to her, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few of them. Get as many as you can. And so she went out and she said, he continued on, excuse me, he continued on and said, then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled... Put it to one side. So she gathered all these jars. They went out to the neighbors and they asked, Do you have empty jars that we can have? Please come and give it. So she brought all these jars into their house. And so she left him, the Bible says, and shut the door behind her and her sons. And they brought the jars to her. And she kept pouring. And when all the jars were filled and were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. And he said, But... There is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped. And she went and told the man of God, Elisha. She went and told him and he said to him, go. And he said to her, go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Here's the thing. She believed Elisha. And why did she believe Elisha? Because she recognized that Elisha was representing God. She recognized him as a prophet. And so in believing Elisha, she was trusting God. Do you see that? Do you see? So she was looking not just to the prophet, but she was looking beyond to say, God will take care of me. God will make it happen. So here's something for you to get. I want you to get this. God loves to pour oil out of an empty jar. She saw. She only had a little bit of oil. Nothing of value left. But with God. And her trust in God. He took care of her need. You see that? Alright. So now turn to First Kings chapter 17. We're going to go back now. And we're going to look at the prophet Elijah. Elijah is the one who stood on Mount Carmel. He's the one that flew, fled from Jezebel. Well, before that, there was a great famine in the land, caused by the Lord to get Ahab to come back to him, to come back and realize that God is in control, not Jezebel. Jezebel was a daughter of a pagan king, and when she came and was married to Ahab, she brought with her Baal worship. And God was having this contest between God and Baal, and they were people were trying to decide if you've been familiar with the story. And so that was what was going on. That's the background of the story of what we're going to look at. And then the word of the Lord came to him, to Elisha, Elijah, excuse me, came to Elijah, and said, "Go at once to Zephra and in the region of Sidon, and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food." So he was hungry. Now notice that words. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Here's what happened. When you were a widow and you lost your financial support, and you didn't connect with the family, you had no income. You had no property. You had nothing. You had to be married into the family. You had to have some link. So having a heritage was extremely important. So he's directed to go find this widow Who's lost her support? He's going to find her and to, and to ask her, and he's always said, I've directed her to give you food. Oh really? Verse ten. So he went to Zephyr, and while when he came to the town gate, a widow was there, gathering sticks. And he called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? Who else in the future would ask, go to a place, stand there at the city gates in the city, in the well, and ask for water? Wasn't it not Jesus himself who went and asked this woman, Please draw water. So he was saying, Can you please bring me some water? I would like that. So he's speaking to her. She recognized immediately this was Elijah. Because he had the cloak on him, if you're familiar with the story. She knew he was the prophet of God. She knew that who he was when he came up to her. He was famous. And so he came up and he asked her for water. And so she said to him, as uh, she was going to get to water and bring him, please bring me a piece of bread, he asked. And she returned and said, as, the, as surely as the Lord God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. And I'm going to gather a few sticks to take home and to make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat and do what? And die. This is the second woman who's desperate. Very desperate. I mean, you're looking at dying. This is your last meal. And Elijah said, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me, and then make something for yourself and your son. Go home and make a small loaf of bread for me first. How do you like that? Doesn't that sound a little bit like Elisha is being a little bit selfish? Go make the loaf for me first. Hey, I only have this little bit for me and my son and we're gonna, you don't look, Elisha, like you're gonna die. And you're asking me to first take that loaf and make for me to bring to you the bread. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and then what happens? All will be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. So she goes on, and for this is what the Lord God says. He said, the jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. See, they were in that drought. So he gave her a promise. You go do as I tell you, and the Lord will take care of you. So she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up. And the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken of by Elijah. What a story. Took care of her need. You see, she believed Elijah. And why did she believe Elijah? Because she knew he was representing God. And therefore she believed God, through Elijah's word, would take care of her. Second lesson we get from the first one, we looked at the first one and we saw that God loves to pour oil out of an empty pot, didn't we? And the second one we have here is putting God first. Put God first. Now we live in a world that has all kinds of demands around us. I know when I sit down with my checkbook and I'm looking and say, how am I ever going to pay all these bills? How am I going to do that? Last week, if you were here, Danielle shared a story about she and her family. Were you here? Did you hear that? When she talked about how their giving met the deed. When they gave, God took care of them when they met. There is a connection between your spiritual life and giving. We had talked last month about faith, about reading our Bible, about prayer, about sharing our faith. But this month, today, I'd like you to think: Is there a connection in my life between my spiritual life and giving? Matthew six. Would you find your Bible, Matthew six? Jesus is speaking, and where is he talking? He's talking about the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, he gave incredible insight. But I wanted to look at just one little bit here. And he's talking about for all of us who get worried when it comes time to pay our bills. And here he comes and he says, therefore, beginning there in verse 25 of chapter 6, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Do not worry about that. Certainly the two women were concerned, weren't they? But Jesus is saying, don't worry about it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, they do reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more of value than they are? Of course. Can anyone, by worry, add a single hour to your life? No. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor and spin. (laughs) You know, I've watched over the years about... um, When I used to go buy a pair of Levi jeans, they only came in one color, blue. They didn't come in all kinds of colors like they do today, and all kinds of body fits. They came, this is it, this is what you get, this is our Levi's. They were made by Levi Strauss there in San Francisco. Did you know that the dye that they used for those came from the rotten blackberries from Oregon that uh, they didn't want to make into jelly? So, or jam. So they sent them down and that's why they were dyed and that's why they faded. Because they used the dye out of those berries. And they would send down these big truckloads full or uh, things of that liquid syrupy stinky stuff. And so they made it and used it for stain on to uh, dye the clothes with. And they were all blue. And then people said, well, you know, we should have, change them a little bit. So now we'll have two different styles and then three and four and so forth. And pretty soon, you know, we can charge a little more if we um, put bell bottoms on them or we can make them a little lower here, a little tighter there. And pretty soon we had all kinds of jeans. And then they said, you know, if we put holes in them, we can charge them even more. (laughs) Pretty soon, uh... $25 pair of jeans is $250 because it has somebody's name on it with holes in it. (laughs) I was looking at the guy and he said, would you be interested in these jeans? And I said, no. No, I'm not interested in those. Jesus says, why do you worry so much about it? Why are you so concerned about it? Now a little bit of truth about giving. First, I have to give you my disclaimer. Okay? Need a disclaimer here. I want you to hear me carefully. I do not know what any of you are giving. I leave that between you and God. Okay? So I never go and ask Shirley, Shirley, could you open your books? I want to see what the people in my church are doing. Uh, I don't know if she'd let me, but I will not ask anyway. I ask her how we're doing as a group with everybody together. I think that's a fair question, isn't it? Say if we're all together. But individually, I do not know what you are giving. I will not ask what you are giving. If I find out, it's because you have told me. And I don't write it down. Because that's your gift to God, not to try to impress or not impress me. It also leaves the door open for me to say some things to all of you and know that this sermon is not putting guilt on you because I know something about you. Okay? Is that fair? So that you know, I do not know what you are giving. On purpose. On purpose. Because I want to leave that between you and God. But the reality is that God loves a cheerful giver. He loves it when you give, open your heart, and respond to him. Now, one of the realities is that the Lord asks us to return 10% or a tithe to him. There's, a, there's something of value there. That tithe is used to support the ministry, to support the pastor. Now, all the tithe that's turned into this church, just to make clear, I don't get. We could make that arrangement, though, couldn't we? No? No. So, I don't get to keep all the tithe that's turned into this church. I'm on a salary so that everyone, all the pastors, get blessed the same, get paid the same. However, when you pay your tithe, you are supporting me. The pastor who feeds you. The pastor who comes when you're sick. The pastor who prays for you. The pastor who tries to teach you the truth of Christ. The pastor who represents you at other places. By your pain of tithe, you contribute to my ministry. You support my ministry. When you don't, I'm working for you for free. So I don't know if you are or not, but just remember that when you pay your tithe, you're supporting the man that feeds you. That's scripturally what happens in the New Testament. So remember that. Would you please? 10%. 10% of the income that passes under the rod. Your increase after you've paid your business expenses. Malachi 3. Would you turn there in our last text together? Malachi chapter 3. God was having a problem with Israel, and he gets into this argument with them, as it were, in a way of questioning God, raising questions about them, making statements about them, and they're, they're answering back. That's how the, the dynamic works in Malachi. And so in Malachi 3, we ask, and God is there picking up, and he says, um, Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? He's accusing Israel of robbing him. And they ask, but, but you ask, how are we robbing you? How is it possible to rob God when he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, when he, when he's a ruler over the universe, when he can speak in a stands fast? How is it possible we could rob God? And God responds and says to the Israel, in your tithes and in your offerings. That's how. And they're going, oh, how could that possibly be? How could that possibly be? And they said, if you would bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, there would be food in my house. We could take care of anything if we bring the whole tithe in, all of us. But he goes on to say, now, test me in this. Test me this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that, you, that there will not be room enough for you to even store it, to receive it. Test me and see. How about it? So there was a man who was a friend of ours, he owned a water company and uh when I was a child and it, um, his water company was really struggling. And he was talking to my dad He says, I don't even know how I'm gonna pay my bills. Play I'm working, you know, twenty hours a day and this is just drying to me under and so I don't know what to do. I can't I can't do what I want to do. And my dad says, Well are are you uh are you paying your tithe? No, <laughs> I don't have money to pay tithe. No way. And so um, my dad said, well, why don't you start? Remember, God said, test him. Test him. So the man said, all right, I, I will, I'll try. So he started paying his tithe. Immediately, his water company started taking off. It started growing. Pretty soon, he was in a land off a of business he had. He was just taking water, his water, fresh water, jugged water everywhere. You could imagine, all around. His business really grew. Put his kids through school. It was amazing what happened. And then his water company, as he got older, his kids got away from home and everything, all of a sudden his water company started going down. And he came back to my dad and he says, you know, I'm paying my tithe, I'm doing, I'm, you know, I'm doing there. And uh, he says, well, why don't you get down and ask the Lord what he wants you to do? So he did. He got down on his knees and he asked God, what do you want me to do? Please show me what you want to do. And the impression came to him, please pay a double tithe, 20%. How can anybody afford that? Okay, he said, I will. So now he's setting aside 20% of his income to support God's work. Turning that in. His water company he took off again like crazy. grew, uh, He became very wealthy, able to help others, and do it because of his faithfulness. Because the Bible says... God will pour out a blessing that you will not have room enough to hold it, have it. Have you tried him? Test him. Now, I haven't talked, I've only talked to Shirley about this, I haven't talked to the board about this, but I'm working on seeing if we can get a money back guarantee for you. What do you think of that? (laughs) Serious. That you give, and if you get in a tough spot, You've given and you're in a tough spot and you wish, I wish I had that money back so that I could pay this or something came up. I think, I'm going to talk to the board and see if we can work this out. The only hitch is we can't do it after we've given a tax debt receipt to you, that, the hitch. But there are little details, but I did this at a church of 1200 members. Money back guarantee. Great. Nobody ever asked for the money back. Why? Because God blessed them. You see? You see? Because you see, God loves to pour oil out of an empty pot. We are to put God first. Now the question comes to you. Do I trust God enough to put Him first? Do I trust Him to make that work? Do I trust God with my life enough that I will put Him first? So I have learned in my practice when my check comes, gets deposited in the bank, I write my check to God first first and turn it like as I did today that putting him first and therefore God has taken care of me on a pastor's salary over the years and blessed I want that blessing for you and so if you are not giving God invites you come on test me see Turn in your tithe. Turn in your offerings. See if I will not bless you. You will be rewarded for your giving. Dear Lord, I thank you that we can give to you as a part of our spiritual and Christian lives. It is a test about our love and trust in you. Father, I ask that you work on our hearts. And if we need to make this step in our spiritual journey, that we take it. That we learn the beauty of giving. For you love a cheerful giver. May you guide us in that as we go forward in your life. We ask, Father, for your outpouring of your blessing as we respond to you in your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.